Thus Spake Zarathustra, Part 6 On Little Old and Young Women Why do you slink so slyly through the shadows, Zarathustra? And what are you so careful to conceal under your cloak? Is a treasure given to you? Or are you taking the path of thieves, you friend of evildoers? Truly, my brother, spoke Zarathustra, it is a treasure that has been given to me. It is a little truth that I am carrying. But it is uncontrollable like a young child, and if I don't hold its mouth shut, it will cry out loud. Today I was alone, going my way as the sun was setting. I encountered an old woman who spoke thus to my soul. Much as Zarathustra said to us women, but he has not spoken to us about women. And I replied to her, About women, one should only talk to men. Talk to me too about women, she said. I am old enough to immediately forget. So I did as the little old woman willed and spoke thus. Everything about woman is a riddle, and everything about woman has one answer. Get with child. For woman, man is a means, and goal always the child. But what is the woman for a man? The real man wants two things, danger and play. Therefore he wants women as a dangerous plaything. Men should be raised for war and women for the recuperation of warriors. All else is folly. The warrior does not like the all-too-ripe fruit. Therefore he likes women. Still bitter is even the sweetest woman. A woman understands a child better than the man does, but the man is more childlike than the woman. A child is hidden in the true man that wants to play. Now, lady, find me the child and the man. Let the woman be the playmate, pure and fine, like a rare gem glowing with the virtues that does not yet exist. Let the light of the stars shine from your love. Let your hope be, may I give birth to the overman. Let there be a bravery in your love. With your love you shall follow the one that fills you with fear. Let your love be honor, otherwise women understand little of honor. Let your honor be to love more than you are loved and to never be seconded. Let man fear a woman who loves for she makes every sacrifice and counts all else worthless. Let man fear woman when she hates. Man at the bottom of his soul is wicked. Woman is base. What does a woman hate the most? said the iron to the magnet. I hate you the most because you attract but not the power to draw me to you. The happiness of man is I will. The happiness of woman is he wills. Behold now, the world has become perfect. So thinks every woman who obeys from total love. And a woman must obey and find depth for her surface. Surface is a woman's nature, a turbulent surface over shallow waters. But a man's nature is deep, a turbulent torrent rushing through subterranean caverns. A woman senses this strength, but does not understand it. Then the old woman replied to me, Many pretty things Zarathustra has spoken, particularly for those who are young enough for them. It is strange thus Zarathustra knows little women, yet he is right about them. Is this because the women nothing is impossible? And now it's thanks, take a little truth. Goodness knows I am old enough for it. Swaddle it and hold its mouth shut, or it will cry out loud in this little truth. Give this little truth, old woman, I said, and thus spoke the old woman. If you are going to a woman, don't forget the whip. Thus spake Zarathustra. On the Bite of the Adder one day Zarathustra had fallen asleep beneath a fig tree. It was hot, and he laid his arm over his face. Then the adder came and bit him on the neck, so that Zarathustra cried out in pain. When he lifted his arm from his face, he looked on at the snake. It knew Zarathustra's eyes. It wanted to get away and writhed desperately. Oh no, Zarathustra said, you have not accepted my thanks. You woke me at the right time. My way is still long. Your way will be short, said the adder sadly. My poison is deadly. 
Zarathustra smiled. When did a dragon ever die from the poison of a snake, he said. <clears throat> but take your poison back. You are not rich enough to bestow it on me. The adder curled about his neck again and licked the wound. One day when Zarathustra was retelling this story to his disciples, they said, And what, O Zarathustra, is the moral of this story? Zarathustra answered thus, The good and the upright call me the destroyer of morals. My story is immoral. But if you have an enemy, do not repay his evil with good. That would shame him. Rather, demonstrate that he has done something good for you. And rather be angry than shamed. And if someone curses you, it pleases me not that if you bless. Rather, join in a little of the cursing. And if a great wrong is done to you, then quickly commit five wrongs in return. It is horrible to see one oppressed by a lone wrong. Did you know this already? A wrong shared is half right, and he should take wrong on himself who can bear it. A little revenge is more human than no revenge at all. And if your punishment is not right and an honor for the transgressor, then I do not like your punishing either. It is more noble to declare oneself wrong than insist one is right, particularly when one is right. Only one must be rich enough for it. I do not like your cold justice, and from eyes of your judges there gazes always the executioner in his cold steel. But tell me, where is the justice that sees with the eyes of love? And find me the love that bears not only all punishment, but all guilt. Then find for me the justice that acquits everyone except the judge. Would you hear this also? For one who would be just from the ground up, even the lie becomes a friendliness to men. But how can I be just from the ground up? How can I give to each his own? Let this suffice for me. Give to each my own. Finally, my brothers, beware of doing wrong to a solitary. How can a solitary forget? How could he requite? Like a deep well is a solitary. It is easy to throw a stone in, but it sinks to the bottom. Who wants to fetch it out again? Beware insulting the solitary. But if you do, you had better kill him as well. Thus spake Zarathustra. On Child and Marriage I have a question for all of you, my brothers. I cast this question like a sounding line into your souls that I may know how deep it is. You are young and wish for a child in marriage. But I ask you, are you a man who has the right to wish for a child? Are you the victor, the self-directed, the master of your sense, the master of your virtues? Or is it the animal and the base instincts that speaks from you? or isolation, or conflict with yourself. I would that you desired a child from your victory and your freedom. Living monuments you should build to your victory and liberation. <clears throat> Above and beyond yourself you should build. But first you must be built yourself, sound in body and soul. Not only in the future should you grow yourself, but also upwards. May the garden of marriage help you to do so. A higher body you shall create, a prime mover, a self-rolling wheel, a creator shall you create. Marriage, this I call the will of two to create one that is more than the creators. Reverence for each other I call such a marriage, for those who will such a will. Let this be the sense and truth of your marriage. But that which the all too many, the teeming creatures, ah, what of that? Ah, this poverty of soul in a couple. Ah, such filth of the soul in a couple. Such wretched contentment in a couple. Marriage they call this, and they say, this marriage is made in heaven. No, I like this not, this heaven of the masses. No, I like them not, these animals caught in a heavenly net. And may the God who limped up to bless what he did not bring together stay far away from me. 
I do not laugh at such a marriage. What child does not have grounds to weep over their parents? I deem this man worthy and ripe for a sense of the earth. But when I saw his wife, the earth seemed for me a house of the senseless. Indeed, I wish that the earth might erupt in convulsions when a holy man marries a goose. This man set out like a heart after truths, ended up with a jumped-up lie. His marriage, he calls it. That man was reserved and chose carefully, but in an instant he spoiled his company for all time, a marriage he called it. That one searched for a maid with the virtues of an angel, but instantly he became the maid of a woman, and now he must be an angel. Careful I have found all shoppers, and all of them have a discerning eye, but even the most discerning still buy wives in a poke. Many a brief follies, that is what you call love, and you make an end of brief follies with one long stupidity. Your love for women and a woman's love for man would that it was a compassion for suffering and hidden gods, but mostly it is only that two animals have found each other. Yes, even your greatest love is only a pained likeness and a feeble glow. It is a torch that should light your way to higher paths. Over and beyond yourselves your love should carry you one day. So learn first to love, and for that you must drain the bitter cup of your love. Bitterest is the cup of even the greatest love. Thus it arouses the desire for the overman. Thus it arouses the thirst of the Creator. The thirst of the Creator, an arrow and desire for the overman, speaks, my brothers, is this your will to marriage? How can I call such a will and such a marriage? Thus spoke Zarathustra. On a Free Death Many die too late, and a few die too early. The teaching sounds odd. Die at the right time. Die at the right time, thus teaches Zarathustra. Clearly, if one never lives at the right time, how could they die at the right time? Better to never have been born. Thus I advise the overflowing masses. But even the masses can do great things with their dying, and even hollow nuts want to be cracked. Every man says dying is important, but still death is not a festival. Man has not yet learned how to celebrate the most beautiful of festivals. The fulfilling death I show to you, thus become a spur and a promise for the living. Whomever fulfills his life dies his death victoriously. Thus one should learn to die, and there should be no festival unless one dies consecrating the oaths of the living. To die thus is the best. The second best is to die fighting and squander a great soul. But equally hateful to the warrior and the victor is the grinning death which sneaks up like a thief, and yet is the master. My death I preach to you, the free death, that comes to me because I will it. And when will I will it? Whomever has a goal and an heir wants to die at the right time, for the goal and the heir, and from respect for the goal and the heir will no longer hang withered wreaths in the temple of life. Truly, I do not want to be like the rope makers. They stretch out their threads at length, and therefore they are always walking backwards. Many grows too old even for the truths and victories. A truth, toothless mouth no longer has the right to every truth. And all who want to fame must eventually take leave of their honor and master the difficult art. Go at the right time. One must let himself stop being eaten when one tastes the best. This is known by those who would be loved for a long time. There are some apples, of course, whose fate wills that they ripen in the last days of fall, and they become ripe, yellow, and shriveled all at once. In some the heart ages first, and in others the spirit. And some are old in their youth, but there are also those who are young late and stay young long. For many, life is miserable. A poison worm gnars at their heart. So let him see to it that his death turns out so much the better. Many never turn sweet. 
they rot already in summer. It is cowardice that holds them on the branch. Far too many live and hang on the branches too long. May a storm come and shake them all, the rotten and worm-eaten from the tree. May a preacher come of quick death. For me, that would be the right storm and shaker of the tree of life. But I only hear slow death preached and patience with all earthly things. Ah, you preach patience with the earthly. But it is the earth that has too much patience with you, blasphemers. Truly, too early did the Hebrew die, whom is honored by the preachers of a slow death, and for many since it has been sorrow that he died too early. He knew only tears and the heavy heart of the Hebrews, that and the hatred of the good and the righteous, the Hebrew Jesus. Then he was overcome by yearning for death. Perhaps if he had remained in the desert, far removed from the good and the righteous, perhaps he would have learned to live and love the earth, and to laugh as well. Believe me, my brothers, he died too early. He would have retracted his teachings if he had lived to my age. He was noble enough for retraction. But he had not yet matured. The love of youth is immature, and immature is its hatred of man and of the earth too. His understanding and the wings of his spirit are still bound and heavy. But in the man there is more of the child than the youth, and less seriousness. He better understands life and death. Free for death and free in death, a holy naysayer, if it is no longer time for yes. He thus knows how to die and how to live. That your dying is no blasphemy against the man or earth, that, my friends, I ask from the honey of your souls. In your dying your spirit and virtue shall still glow, like a sunset over the earth, or else your dying will have turned out badly. Thus I myself would die, that you, my friends, might love the earth for my sake, and to the earth I will return, thus I might rest in she who bore me. Truly, Zarathustra has a goal, he threw his ball, and you, my friends, are the heirs to my goal, to you I throw my golden ball. More than anything, my friends, I like to see you throwing the golden ball, so I lingle a litter on the earth, forgive me this. Thus spake Zarathustra. On the Bestowing Virtue When Zarathustra had taken leave of the town to which his heart was attached, and which was called the Motley Cow, many who called themselves his disciples gave him an escort. Thus they came to a crossroads. There Zarathustra said to them, From here he would walk alone, for he was a friend of walking alone. His disciples handed him a staff on the haft of which a sun with a serpent coiled around it was placed. Zarathustra was pleased with the staff, leaned on it, and spoke to his disciples. Tell me now, how did gold come to have the greatest worth? Because it is uncommon and useless and glows with a mild luster? It always gives of itself, and as an allegory of the greatest value did gold come to have the highest worth. The eye of the giver shines golden. The golden light makes peace between sun and moon. Uncommon is the highest virtue and useless. It is luminous and has a mild glow. Bestowing virtue is the highest virtue. Truly I understand you, my disciples. You are striving, like me, for the bestowing virtue. What would you have in common with cats and wolves? This is your thirst, to become youthful sacrifices and gifts yourself. Therefore you have a thirst to have all treasures in your soul. Insatiably your soul strives for treasures and jewels, since your virtue has an insatiable desire to bestow. You compel all things to you and into you, so that they may flow back out of you as gifts of love. Truly such bestowing love must become a predator of all values. Whole and holy I call this selfishness. Another selfishness there is which is all too poor. 
a starving one that always steals, the selfishness of the sick, a sick selfishness. With the eyes of a thief it looks at all that shines, with a greedy hunger it measures those who have plenty to ear, and it always slinks around the table of the giver. Sickness speaks from such desire, an invisible degeneration, of the sickly body of a thieving body speaks this selfishness. Tell me, my brothers, what strikes us as bad and worst of all? Is it not degeneration, and from degeneration we always feel the lack of a giving soul? Upward goes our way, from genus to overgenius, but to us it is a horror, the degeneration sense that always says, all is for me. Upward flies our senses, so it is an allegory of our bodies, an allegory of elevations. Allegories of elevations are the names of our virtues. Thus the body goes through history, becoming and fighting, and the spirit, what is it to do with the body? The herald, partner, and echo of its battles and victories. Allegories are all names of good and evil. They do not clarify, they only suggest. A fool is he who wants wisdom from them. Pay attention now, my brothers, to every hour when your spirit wants to speak in allegories. There is the origins of your virtues. Then your body is elevated and resurrected with rapture. It pleases the spirit so that it becomes a creator and elevator and leveler of all giving things. When your heart flows bright and full like a river, a blessing and a threat to those nearby, that is the origin of your virtue. When you disdain what is comfortable and the warm bed, you cannot get far enough away from the soft-hearted. There is the origin of virtue. When you are willers of one will, and this focusing of all need is called necessity, that is the origin of your virtue. Truly, this is the new good and evil, truly a new rushing in the depth of the void of a new source. This virtue is pure, it is a commanding thought, and around it a clean soul, a golden sun, all around it the serpent of knowledge. 2. Here Zarathustra fell silent and looked on his disciples. Then he continued speaking, and his voice was transformed. Stay true to the earth, my brothers, with the power of your virtue. With your bestowing virtue and your understanding serve the sense of the earth. This I plead and swear you. So not let it fly away from the earthly and beat its wings against eternal walls. There has always been so much virtue that has flown away. As I do, lead the flown virtues back to earth, a return to body and life, to give the earth a sense, a human sense. In a hundred ways, spirit and virtue have flown away and made a mistake. Ah, in our bodies all these delusions and mistakes still dwell. It has become body and will. In a hundred ways until now, spirit and virtue has experimented and erred. Yes, making is an experiment, but ignorance and error has been embodied in us not only with the wisdom of a millennia, but also the madness breaks out of us. It is dangerous to be an heir. We will fight step by step with the giant chance, and over all of mankind any nonsense and no sense has ruled. May your spirit and your virtues serve the earth, my brothers, and may you set anew the worth of all things. Therefore you shall be creators. The wisdom the body purifies itself. With experiments and wisdom it elevates itself. For the knower all drives are holy. For the elevated one, the soul is joyful. Physician, heal thyself, and thus heal your patients as well. Let this be the best remedy, that one may see with his own eyes that one has made himself whole. Thousands are the paths that have yet to be walked, a thousand healths and undiscovered kinds of life. 
Even now the human and the earth is unknown and unexhausted. Wake and listen, you solitaries. From the future with soft wings a wind blows, and for those with discerning ears bring glad tidings. You are lonely today, the excluded. You shall one day be a people. From you, who have chosen yourselves, a chosen people will grow, and from them the overman. Truly the earth shall become a pace of recovery. Already a new scene wafts through it, bringing health and a new hope. 3. When Zarathustra said these words, he paused as one who has not said his last. He pondered long, weighing the staff in his hand. Finally he spoke thus, and his voice was transformed. Alone I go now, my disciples. Also you must go alone. Thus I will it. Truly I counsel you, from me and guard yourself against Zarathustra, and better yet, be ashamed of him. Perhaps he has deceived you. The men of knowledge must not only be able to love his enemy, but also to have his friends. One repays a teacher poorly if one only remains a student. Why shouldn't you pluck at my wreath? You revere me, but what if one day your reverence fails? Be careful lest a statue falls and kills you. You say that you believe Zarathustra, but does Zarathustra matter? You are my believers. Do all believers matter? You had not found yourselves when you found me. Thus it is with all believers. That is why believers matter so little. Now I bid you to forget about me and find yourselves. And when you have all forgotten me, then I will return to you. Truly, my brothers, with different eyes, then I will seek my lost ones. With different love, then I will love you. And once more you shall become my friends and children of one hope. Then I will be with you a third time and celebrate the great midday with you. And it is the great midday when mankind stands on the path between beast and overman and celebrates its way to the evening of its highest hope. This is the way to a new morning. That day the ones who have gone under will bless themselves that they will be a new going over, and the son of his understanding will stand at midday for him. Dead are all the gods now, when we want the overman to live. May this be at the great midday our ultimate will. Thus spake Zarathustra. End of Book One